Hey guys, what a wonderful blessing it is to connect with you today. I announced last weekend that um, we would take a break today from our Back to the Basics series because today is Father's Day. So for all the fathers and father figures who are watching us, those of you who've gathered in our San Jose campus, uh, and for those of you who are watching online, happy, blessed Father's Day. This is a day that has been orchestrated by God and organized by us across all of our campuses here at NBCC. We want to honor you guys. We want to celebrate you. And for all of the men, including some of our teenagers, listen, there is a unique word from God for you in particular. And for the rest of us who are listening on. There's a blessing in this word for you also. First, let me make a real quick announcement. Uh, this coming Thursday, we're going to release a survey. Here's why. We're getting ready to move into a brand new season here in New Beginnings. Across all of our campuses, we're going to raise up uh, a unique men's ministry and a women's ministry. And so we're releasing a survey on Thursday, and we're asking you to identify the various active activities and interests that would really ignite you and make you excited about being a part of the women's ministry or the men's ministry. Why are we doing this? Why are we raising up these ministries? Because it's going to create an opportunity for deeper relationship and fellowship for our men and for our women. And God does some of his best and most transformative work through relationships. So make sure you uh, get ready to receive our newsletter. It's going to come out on Thursday. It's going to have the survey there. Uh, if you have not subscribed to our newsletter, then simply go to our website. Go to the bottom of the page. Go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you get that. Now, when you fill out the news, when you fill out the survey, make sure you include your name because you're going to help us to create starter lists. Uh, so when we get ready to reach out to men uh, in the weeks to come and we get ready to reach out to women in the weeks to come as we get ready to roll these ministries out, we'll have your name. All right. God, we ask that you would pour out your spirit in a unique and very special way and bless this teaching today. Bless everybody who's a part of this experience. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right, guys, let's jump into our teaching today. We take it from Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 is really the place that we want to end up at. Here's the context. Jesus is about to commence his ministry. So he's, he presents himself for baptism to John the Baptist. After he has been baptized, when he comes up out of the water, he hears a voice from above. A voice from above, a word from above. We want to take a look at that because it has everything to do with where we want to land as we move forward through this teaching today celebrating fathers and father figures. All right, Matthew 3, 16. Here's what it says. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice. And here's what the voice said. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. There is the reading. If someone is sitting next to you, can you just look at them and whisper, just share with them, just say a word from above. If you're typing in the chat, just go ahead and type that in the chat, a word from above. Now, when I talk about a word from above, I'm just simply talking about there's a message from heaven for you, in particular to our men, but also there are implications for every single person that's listening. Now, here's where we want to get started. 
when we say Father's Day, let's acknowledge that Father's Day is a complicated day for many. For some of us, when we think about our fathers, well, we have warm and fuzzy feelings. Those fathers who are alive, and some of them have already deceased, but when we think of them, uh, they have been the source of love and joy in our lives. Not perfect, but faithful. For others of us, when we think about our fathers, we feel pain, disappointment, frustration, confusion, distance. And when we think in those terms about our fathers, oftentimes what we're simply saying is that the father and father figures in our lives have not been who we need them to be. I describe this, this, this byproduct of that experience as having a daddy hole in your heart. Men have daddy holes in their hearts. Women have daddy holes in their hearts. Teenagers have daddy holes in their hearts. Well, let me just say that you're not alone. It's, this reality is all around us. For example, the great Albert Einstein, his name is synonymous with scientific genius. He totally transformed the landscape of, of science as we understand it. When he tried to describe his relationship with his father, he used two words. And the two words that he used were strict and distant. As a matter of fact, his father was so upset that Albert Einstein chose to go in an opposite direction rather than the business and engineering that his dad was in. And it put friction that remained in their relationship. As a matter of fact, deep into Abbott Einstein's life, when he talked about describing his feelings towards his dad, here's what he described. He vacillated between resentment, deep resentment of his dad, and a deep longing for his dad's understanding and validation. Mr. Einstein had a daddy hole in his heart. Or Elon Musk. Elon Musk tells the story that his parents divorced when Elon and his younger brother were little kids. He uses two words, Mr. Musk does, to describe his relationship with his dad. Distant, notice how that showed up in both examples. Distant and critical. Distant means that the father is, is not accessible emotional. No hugs, no affirmation, no I love you. Just distant and critical can't get anything right. Mr. Musk has said on various interviews that to some degree, the inspiration and reaching for that affirmation from his father may be the reason why he has achieved what he's achieved. And yet, to this very day, his relationship with his father is defined by conflict and pain. He's got a daddy hole in his heart. Or what about Constance Wu? known for wonderful dramas like Crazy Rich Asians, for example. When she talks about her relationship with her dad, you know how she describes it, her growing up years, that it was defined by psychological and emotional incidents again and again and again. A daddy hole in her heart. Or what about Sonia Sotomayor, the first Latina on the Supreme Court, the third woman, when she was nine years old, the beginning of a tumultuous childhood, her dad died. She has a daddy hole in her heart. Now this tells us a couple of things. It 
first thing it tells us is that we're surrounded by people who are super, super successful, and yet they're carrying a daddy hole in their hearts, and it makes a difference in their lives. The sum total of this reality brings us to our first realization. Listen, I want to say this. For the first part of this message, I want to walk through some realizations that uh, that we're going to learn together. And I'm going to create some space for us to do some resets. And hopefully that's going to position us for a revelation that's going to come towards the end of this message. An illumination that takes place in our mind and in our soul. A word from above. But first, there's a couple of things I want us to learn together, both men and women and children. And here's the first thing. As we walk through those different stories I just told you, here's what's clear. First realization, a father's role is indispensable. Guys, I don't care what your past mistakes keep whispering to you, telling you that they're better off without you than with you. You're indispensable. I don't care how many cultural changes and transformations takes place. I'm here to tell you there is no substitute for a father's role in the lives of their kids. You are indispensable. Even if your children or your spouse or significant other has said, we're better off without you, I'm here to tell you, you are indispensable. Part of why we celebrate and honor you today, even if you don't feel like that you're living into the role that God has called you, is to remind you and affirm the fact in your life, you are indispensable. Important. And whether you're present or absent in the lives of your kids, you, the reality is an indelible mark that they can't escape. And for some child or adult child, perhaps this is the moment that begins your healing because maybe this is the first time for you to acknowledge, you know what? Maybe I had a poor father. Maybe my father wasn't there. And you've been saying all along, I don't need a dad. No, 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 no. This is the time for you to begin to acknowledge, you know what? I need a dad. I needed a dad. My father's role is irreplaceable. Now, I want to take you to Acts 28, verse 3. There's a fascinating story there. Many years ago, I visited with this congregation. I want to revisit it in the context of this teaching. And it helps us to, to, to gather just a few more re- revelations, lessons, if you will, that positions us for a powerful revelation at the end of this message. It's the story of the apostle Paul. He and a number of people got shipwrecked. They had to swim the shore. When they got to shore, they were ringing wet, dripping wet, and they began to build a huge bonfire. And here's what the text says in verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was lying them on the fire, a poisonous snake was driven out by the heat and bit him on the hand. Scholars think that that poisonous snake that bit him was a viper. Vipers were present during that time. They could be 10 inches, from, they could range from 10 inches long to 10 feet long. The text tells us that, that, that the, I mean, the, flames, the fangs on a viper were long and deep. You see it in the picture. It would grab you and would clamp and hold on to you. And we know this happened to Paul because when he held up, the, the text tells us that the people saw the viper hanging from his hand. 
the venom that was released into the person did not immediately, always immediately kill the person. Sometimes it took a little time. But here's the insight. Paul was wounded in that moment. So here's the first lesson that brothers need to be reminded of and that the rest of us, as we are engaged with men in our lives, whether they are father figures or folk that we've fallen in love with, here's the first insight that we need to get. You're dealing with the complexity of men. Here it is. Men are complicated because all men have been deeply wounded. In some way, somehow, we've all been bitten by the proverbial snake. Bitten. And some of the men that you're wrestling, we say, I don't understand you. I don't know why you do or don't do what you, what you do. Well, listen, you're dealing with a man that's been bitten. You know, the men in our lives grew up in homes that were full of violence and anger and rage. They grew up in homes and contexts and environments where there was sexual and physical and emotional abuse. And you haven't even gotten inside the details of their story. But I'm here to tell you, they were bitten. Bitten. We men, bitten. Some of the men in your life, they grew up in homes where their fathers were super demanding. You had to get an A. You got to be the star on the athlete, on the football team or the basketball team. And yet those fathers were emotionally distant. No hugs, no affirmation, no love, like we heard in Einstein's life and Musk's life. Bitten. Some of the men that are in our lives, listen, they grew up in homes where dads were missing. They just weren't there. Or they had, a, they had a man in the house but no father in their life because that father was busy building a corporate career, pursuing political goals, or working religiously or in, inside of a church context, or maybe just working two or three jobs trying to keep food on the table and bills paid. But all that man in your life who now has a daddy hole in his heart, all he knows is that when he needed his father to be there for him, to show up at important events, dad was not there. So he's got a daddy hole in his heart. There's complexity that he now brings to life because he's been bitten, he's been wounded. Look at verse 6. It says, the people waited for Paul to either swell up or suddenly drop dead. And these folk on this island knew what happens when folk got bit by vipers. And when a family member, their friends, their neighbors, whenever they got bit, that was a predictable set of behaviors that would take place. Either the person would swell up and become super big, or they would drop dead. They're waiting on these predictable behaviors. Here's what social scientists tell us about we men who, at, who, who end up getting wounded as we've grown up through life. It says that we have hidden insecurities. Yeah, either we're wrestling with hidden insecurities now or there have been phases and seasons in our lives where we were wrestling with hidden insecurities. And these hidden insecurities often, according to the social scientists, show up in, in basically several categories. The first is really represents in the text what I call being swollen up. That's the man in your life who's full of anger and rage. He's been bitten. That's the man in your life who is super controlling because of the really deep down inside there's a fear of losing that which he loves. He's been bitten. Swollen. The other side of the equation is they're waiting for this guy to drop dead, waiting for Paul to drop dead. You know how men drop dead in contemporary context? 
One is in the form of procrastination. We, 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 we don't get done the things that you need us to get done. Why? Because there's built-in insecurity about our ability to do it and do it well enough to be adequate about it. So we put it on. Or resignation. From time to time, we men tend to just quit. Quit on the relationship. Drop out of the family. Come on, leave and abandon the kids. We just quit. The average man who quits has, has basically concluded that the family and the kids are better off without them than with them. Listen, he's been bitten. <laughs> the, the, the venom of brokenness working through the system of this life. And I just notice verse 4. As we work through these realizations, fathers are indispensable, but fathers have been bitten. Our woundedness shows up as insecurities. You, you think you're dealing with somebody who's overly controlling, but you're dealing with his insecurity. And look at verse 4. The people of the island saw the snake was hanging off of Paul's hand. And the first thing they concluded was, he's a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice has finally caught up with him. But then they watched and they watched and they watched. And Paul, neither he didn't swell up, nor did he drop dead. And after a long time waiting, the scripture says, they finally changed their minds. And they said, you know what? <laughs> He's not a murderer. He must be a god. Wow. Here's another realization. We men often find ourselves living between two extremes. The first is, we can never do anything right. He's a murderer. It's the worst you can be. You know, th this is the man who's in a set of relationship with his kids and the folk who love him, and he's got a history of making bad mistakes and messing up. And so finally, there's so much resentment, there's so much disappointment, until the wife, the girlfriend, the kids have concluded he can do nothing right. He drops by to pick up the kids at school as a surprise. Why did you come to pick me up? It's embarrassing, the kid says. He brings the girlfriend or the wife some flowers. She's frustrated. You brought the wrong flowers. You're not even sensitive enough to know what flowers I like. Can't do anything right. Let me suggest that this is a moment of reset. For those of you who, who are resonating with what I'm talking about, as you're thinking about your relationship with your dad or the men or the significant others that's in your life, this is a time to reset. Can you retrain your brain to see the good that the father or the man that's in your life, goodness, he's doing something right. He's getting up in the morning. Come on now, hopefully he's coming home. Come on, he's doing something right. It's time to reset and retrain. You can see it and call it out. He needs you to do that. Or we go to the other extreme. He's a God. Which essentially means that we put the men in our lives, the fathers in our lives, up on such a pedestal that they, they are not allowed to make a mistake. They feel like they have to have all the right answers. That they have to be invincible. They have to be beyond being hurt. They have to hide their mistakes. No, 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 you've got to create a space of grace for your dad or the men in your life to essentially say to them, you don't have to be perfect. And if you fall, there's enough love and grace to catch you. This is a moment for you to reset.
I can hear somebody saying, well, thanks, Pastor, but listen, you don't know my dad. <laughs> and I'm suggesting that maybe you don't know your dad. Uh, when is the last time you've gotten inside of dad's story? Are you familiar with his woundedness and his brokenness? I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm just offering it as an explanation. And so, and so, and so, I'm challenging you around empathy and grace. Okay, Pastor, I get it, but, but what do I do about this daddy hole that's in my life that, that, that the man that's in my life isn't responding to? Here's what you do. Number one. Accept your father's limitations and adjust your expectations. Okay. For decades, perhaps, your father has been demonstrating, this is the best I can do. For the thing that you've been demanding from him, clearly the twistedness in his history robs him of the capacity to do it. So you've got to accept his limitation and adjust your expectation. Don't expect from him what he can't give you. Okay, Pastor, but that leaves me with a daddy hole in my heart. Is there no answer? Oh, there's an answer. There's a voice from above, and here's the whisper of God speaking to you through this message. Here's what you do. Pray for a trustworthy father figure for God to raise up in your life. You know, I've been tr tremendously blessed over my years. I would have been really messed up because when I was uh, about six months old, my dad disowned me. My biological dad said, that's not mine. But God raised up my granduncle, who became a remarkable figure for me. He uh, adopted me informally and was a blessing. About three to four years into my marriage, I lost my, my granduncle. He died, victim of Alzheimer's. Took about another 10 years. Then God did a miracle for me. He raised up another father figure for me. He's my pastor, but he's also the father figure in my life, Bishop Donald Green. And in addition to us having an affection for rich crackers and bananas, <laughs> here's a dude that, that, that for the last 10 years, every important thing that has happened in my life, he showed up. Here's a guy that I talk to three to four times a, a week about every possible thing, ups and downs and highs and lows. Here's a man that, that sees in advance every message I preach, calls me, texts me, gives me encouragement, builds me up. This is my pastor, but he's my father figure. And so, Bishop Green, I know you're watching, so let me just say, I love you, man. Happy Father's Day. Wow. Praise God. You've got to pray. This is part of why we're raising up a men's ministry and raising up a women's ministry. Because on the men's side, listen, there are young men trying to figure out how to be fathers in this season. And the older, the, us older men need to come alongside them and speak into their lives and help them with their learning. There are some of us who got it wrong when we were raising our kids, but now we've learned better. And, 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 and there are men, listen, I'm in my late 50s talking about my father figure. Come on, every man has a little boy in him that needs a father. And so those of you who messed up earlier, we get to do it right the second time. And so we're establishing these ministries to raise up trustworthy figures. And here's the deal. You know, at the end of the day, the father figures that God raised up, they can't 
replace your father. But they can fill the places that have been vacated by your father. They can fill the places in your heart that have been vacated by your father. Pray that God will raise a trustworthy father figure up in your life. And we're going to move in that direction together as we raise up men ministry and also women ministry. Make sure you fill out that survey. <laughs> and then look at verse 5. Check this out. I love this. All right. They're waiting. Is Paul going to swell up? Is he going to drop dead? He does neither. Here's what he does. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Paul broke the pattern. He did neither of the things that was predictable. How is it that he was able to break the pattern? Oh, this is, this is what's ironic, guys. Check this out as we, become, as we make our way towards this extraordinary revelation. Here's what's ironic. You know, they, at one time they said, he must be a murderer. Well, check this out. Paul used to be a murderer. He was in, the form, in his former life the person who murdered and brutalized and imprisoned Jesus' followers. Until... <laughs> There was a supernatural intervention. And I'm praying that this message is a supernatural intervention. And Paul ran into a divine revelation that showed up in the person of Jesus. And he rediscovered, A, the reality of Jesus. And B, who he, who he was inside of that Jesus reality. And I want to suggest to you, as we take a fresh look at our text that the social scientist has some insight that is helpful in this moment. When the social scientists look at the insecurity that most of us men carry, either we have had or we have today, they say that there is an antidote for insecurity. And the antidote, watch this, is an affirmation. Affirmation. Affirmation is that, ex here's how I like to talk about affirmation. It is, watch this, it is informed love, meaning it knows all the things that are wrong with the object that it loves. And it is fully formed love, meaning that it is so deep and so solid and so sure that it is unconditional. It, 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 uh, affirmation is love that celebrates the good you get right, but is also love that helps to facilitate the healing in your brokenness. Somebody shout affirmation. <laughs> this is what we discover in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. We, we discover the same Jesus that, that Paul rediscovered himself in that allowed him to be a pattern breaker, <laughs> breaking the pattern of his yesterdays and reestablishing a brand new pattern. We discover this Jesus in chapter 3. Before he does any ministry, before he does anything right, Here's the word. Look what the text says. Let's revisit it again. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal water, the skies opened up, and he saw God the Spirit looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the Spirit comes the voice. This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, the light of my life. <laughs> 
Let me just put a quick point right here. Next weekend, I'm going to talk about the Trinity, the triune reality of one God. This passage pictures it right here. We hear a voice from God the Father spoken to God the Son. We see God the Holy Spirit landing like a dove on his shoulder. Mm. The triune reality of one God. But inside of this experience, we hear a divine revelation that those of us need to open. Here's the revelation that comes. It is the message from above. It's heaven's message to every man and every boy. It's heaven's message to all of the women who are listening. It is a message for all of us today, and I hope you hear it as an illuminating point for your mind and an illuminating in your soul. Here is the first thing. Come on now. Jesus is fully God, and he's fully human, so wrapped up in his humanness in some sense, we're right there in that place and we hear him speak to his son through his son into us and here is the first thing that he says you are mine the beloved father of eternity declares to you you're my son through Jesus he declares to you you're my daughter you see at the end of the day we're not just limited to the broken men who are the fathers in our lives there's another father. You see, you came through your parents, but you came from the one above. Before you were in your mother's womb, you were shaped and fashioned in his will. And what the message is today from heaven is that there's nothing that you can do to change that. I love the words of Isaiah 43, verse 1, when it declares, I have called you by name as you sit in our campus at San Jose. I have, God declares, called you by name as you watch me. Come on, on social media, look at me through a YouTube channel. God is saying through me, I have called you by name. You are mine. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. To the son who's longing for a father's understanding and validation, God declares, you are mine. To the daughter whose heart has been left shattered and perhaps her family too uh, by the choices and decisions of her earthly father, God declares to you, daughter, you are mine. To the person whose relationship with one's father is defined by abuse or abandonment, either emotionally or psychologically, God declares, you are I'm with you. You didn't know, but you, I'm with you. I'm for you. You are mine. Can you feel that revelation in your soul? There's a father speaking to you today. And second insight comes. You are chosen and marked by my love. That's what he's speaking to you. You know, I told my kids when they were young, and that today, from time to time, I test them to see do they still remember what I said. I taught them, listen, how much does daddy love you? They would answer, bigger than the whole world, bigger than the universe, and then some. It was my way of reinforcing to them that there's nothing that you can do to outrun my love. You have been chosen and marked by my love. You may break my heart. 
You may walk away from Jesus. You may not grow up. You may not stay in the church. You may choose a lifestyle or set of values that are in total contradiction to who I've tried to raise you to be and who I understand myself to be. But at the end of the day, I just want you to know you can't change the fact that you're, going, you're my child and you can't change the fact that I love you. My love is not connected to your performance. I'm excited about your performance, but my love isn't connected to your performance. It's connected to you. My love has chosen you. Come on now. You are marked by it. Can somebody say favor? That's favor. God wants somebody to know who didn't realize it today. You feel like you've been isolated. You've been doing life by yourself. God declares, no, you're mine. You've been chosen and marked by my love, and you've got my favor. You just need to wake up and discover it. Start leaning into it. Start living into it. You've got my favor. And thirdly, the message from above is that you are the delight of my life. He said, how can that be? I can hear somebody saying that. How can that be? Do you know my history? You know where I was yesterday? You know, you, 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 you know the brokenness and the addictions and all the stuff I'm working on. How can I be the delight of your life? I'm reminded many years ago, my son had done something in his teenage years. Had done something. I was very frustrated. He was sitting on one side of the room, sitting on another. I was looking at him. And something happened that shifted my heart. I looked at that boy. And I saw me in him. In other words, the stuff he was doing, I, I did at some point when I was his age. And so in that moment, I was identifying with his brokenness. Come on. And then I kept looking at him. And I realized, come on now, that I could see him in me. That, that, that I was the presence that was in his life. Come on now. And if I could just keep living the way that God has called me to live, perhaps I could become a potential and a pattern that would reshape his future. Come on. Because, because I was once wavered and God took the twistedness out of my life and straightened up my future, y'all. Come on. When God looks at Jesus, listen, uh, Jesus identifies with you in the worst form of your brokenness. Somebody says that my father makes me disgusted. Well, Jesus identifies with you in the worst moments of disgust. And he takes that to Calvary's cross on the other side of the baptism, on the other side of living a life that is perfect, that we can't live. Then he dies the death, come on now, that we can't even afford to die. Pays the price for your wrongs and mine. And then the scripture says that if I turn my paperwork of my life over to him, the scripture says that my life is hidden in him. Oh, come on. And when the father looks at Jesus, he sees me and he sees you. Come on now, through the person of his perfect son, Jesus. And that Jesus becomes an external pattern for how you live your life. But the Holy Spirit landed on him. Come on now, I told you last week that the Holy Spirit is what makes the, the, the reality of Jesus personal. Uh, and, and, and not only is he one that rests on us, but he moves into the interior of our lives and he gives you the power to be 
with him what you cannot be by yourself. So this same Paul who breaks the pattern finally writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to the one that this word is coming to the day, your minds, you've been chosen and marked by my love. You are my delight that when I see you, I see not only your brokenness, but I see your potential. And I see you through the lens of my son who can be a pattern and a power in your life. And I want you to know God above the class. I find delight in you. I find delight in you. You know, I end here. There's a fascinating passage in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, about a fellow by the name of Gideon. Gideon and his people had been defeated by the Midianites over and over and over and over again. God shows up in the form of an angel and he finds Gideon hiding. The man he finds hiding is a serial loser. He's lost over and over and over and over and over. Some of you listening to me, you've been defeated again and again and again and again. It's hard for you to discover how God can call you his delight. The man that God finds hiding is full of fear. He's afraid of the future. And yet God, in the form of that angel, speaks to him. And here's what he says. He says, the Lord is with you. Here you are hiding, being defeated again and again and again and again. But here's the message. The Lord is with you. You see, you're mine. You've been marked and chosen by my love. I have found delight in you, not just because of who you are, but because of what I've placed in you that you don't even recognize is in you. And I'm going to call out of you what you haven't even seen in you. And so he declares, mighty warrior, courageous one. This is the one who's cowering in fear. Mighty warrior, courageous one. This is the one who thought he was a follower, but God declares, you are a leader. Mighty one, mighty warrior. And through this message, God is speaking to somebody. Come on, turn the paper life, paperwork of your life over to the one called Jesus. Come on, and let him empower you because the one from above is saying, Mighty warrior, I'm calling you to greater, greater than your guilt. <laughs> A mighty warrior, uh, I'm calling you from mistakes to miracles. Mighty warrior, <laughs> I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. And I'm the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. May there be light today in your soul as you respond to the word from above. Happy Father's Day. Amen.